Well, um, my name is Rochelle, and I am the pastor of Connections, Belonging, and Engagement here at New Community. I've been here for the last three months, and it has been um, such an amazing ride. Uh, what an incredible community of people um, that belong to this place. Today is all about listening to the whisper of God. Uh, the biblical story that speaks to this whisper is the story of Elijah. We see that uh, as we enter into the story, he's inside of a cave and he's waiting on God. The Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But scripture says, the Lord was not found in the wind. There was an earthquake, but the Lord was not found in the earthquake. After the earthquake was a fire, but Scripture says that the Lord was not found in the fire. And then there was a sound of a whisper, and Elijah knew. And that's where God was found. He was found in the whisper. This whole morning is an exercise in listening. It's listening for the whisper of God. One of the keys to being contemplative is this idea of listening. It's central to the DNA of new community. It's central to the DNA of our relationship with God. It's why we were created, to be with him. We lit candles today in this room uh, to represent his presence. Uh, everywhere that you look, as you look throughout the service, um, be mindful and be aware that, that he is here today. And he's desiring to speak to you a word. Are you listening? Let me pray and then we'll begin. Father, it is you that we seek. It is you that we need. It is you that we're desperate for. Father, I ask that you would speak in the silence, that you would speak as we open up your word, that you would speak to us as we attune our ears to you. Father, we're here to listen to you, nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to lead you in a time of silence. Uh, after about two minutes of silence, I'll break it by reading some scripture and really calling out the character of God. I want you to be aware of the words that I'm saying. If there is anything in these words that, that prick your soul, pay attention to that. It's called spiritual listening. It's something that um, something within you that recognizes maybe a truth or something that you're desiring. So be aware of that. Personal intimacy with God is being attentive to the inner life 
practicing silence allows us to engage God in a way that is countercultural. It takes us away from the busyness of life. It removes the background noise and allows us to just be. We don't need to perform in this time. We don't need to achieve, be efficient or productive. But what we need to do is just be with what is in our lives. It's here where we surrender, relinquish control, and simply be. So I'm going to invite you now to close your eyes. Begin to settle into a comfortable position that allows you to remain alert. I want you to recognize any tension in your body right now. Begin adjusting how you're sitting in order to accommodate yourself. Perhaps putting your hands open on your lap will be an expression of um, you being able to receive from the Lord today. Breathe deeply and exhale as a way of releasing this tension. As you develop a rhythm of breathing in and out, become aware of God's presence. Know that he is closer than the breath that you breathe. If you find that your mind is a little extra busy, perhaps as you're breathing in and as you're exhaling, that you would begin to literally exhale any anxiety that you have, any fear, any pain that you're experiencing in this life right now, maybe anger. Be still and know that he is God. He is in control. He is present. Continue breathing.
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In the words of God, I am everlasting. I will not faint or grow weary. I empower man. I give power to the faint and increase strength to those who come to me. Those who wait for me shall not faint, but I will renew their strength. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am present. I am your strength. I will uphold your very life. I am enough. I am for you. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. I am provider. I am sustainer. I am creator. I create life out of death and in unforeseen places. I alone do the work. I alone am God. It's powerful, isn't it? To hear about who God is, we can believe him. Reflecting on God's character will lead us to a place of humility. A humility found in the words of David in Psalm 131 where he says, But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. The psalmist has come to an inner calm and poise of soul. He's arrived there by changing the center from self to God. No longer does he make his selfish demand upon God. Like a child pressing urgently and demanding upon its mother's breast, he rejoices in God's fellowship. Just as a weaned child is satisfied with the near presence of his mother, not so much for what she has, but who, for who she is. It's not things from God that will satisfy him. It's God himself. Who? powerful when we can move from a place of self, maybe living in a frantic life and trying to figure things out and move to calm and quiet trust in the Lord, that not demanding things from him, but, but moving from that to just being with him, 
just being with him. This is the psalmist experience, and this can be ours as well. Contemplation through listening invites us into deep trust with our Creator. It also invites us into a participation of prayer. It invites us to pray without ceasing. We're going to transition into a time of prayer and communion. But before I do that, let me tell you a story. When I, um, when I was a child, I was a tomboy. I, I um, grew up in Kansas, and I loved playing in the dirt. I never had any girlfriends. Most of them didn't really want to play with me because I loved climbing trees, and they wanted to play Barbies. And uh, I did have one friend, and she uh, played karate with me one day, but that was kind of the last time we ever uh, played together. She kind of ditched me after that, but fair warning to her. Um, anyway, but most of my life I spent with a bunch of guys playing in the dirt, just enjoying life. I loved my childhood. And I remember every night my mom would put me in the bath, and I would just be sitting there. And um, it was very simple. There was just water and bubbles and me, and nobody else was around. Um, and I remember just sitting there, and I would just look up to the ceiling, and I would say, hi, God. How are you today? And I remember just waiting. I knew he was there. But I just remember waiting to see if he would actually show up. And my mom would peer in and say, who, who are you talking to? And I'd say, well, God? Talking to God? She said, well, he saying anything to you? I wonder if, it, if it's that easy that we can just talk to God. And how is it that we can go before him? It's on the basis of redemption that we can come to God through prayer. It costs God his son's life so that this four-year-old, dirty Kansas girl could be sitting in her bathtub and, and enter into the holiest of places. It's on the basis of redemption that you and I today can go before him. Prayer doesn't cost us anything. Oswald Chambers would say that prayer is not what it cost us, but what it cost God to enable us to pray profound. I've never thought of it that way. Let us not forget that our prayers are heard, not because we are earnest, not because we suffer, but because Jesus suffered. It's on the basis of redemption that we're heard. Because the Lord Jesus went through the depths of agony, we see we see this in the Garden of Gethsemane where he, he tells his three disciples, he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. And he's saying, watch and wait as he goes over to the other side and he falls on his face and he says, my father, if you can take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. We 
you see him do it three different times. Going over and just laying before the Father. You see the agony. And then what happens afterwards on the road to Calvary? Hmm. It's precisely this agony and what happened on the road of Calvary that we have what the book of Hebrews says, boldness to enter into the holiest. That we have access to the Father because of what Christ did for us. It's amazing, isn't it? It kind of makes your spirit go, oh, it's exciting. It's unreal. It's outrageous that he would go to such degree for us. We're going to take a moment to pause and draw near to God in this time of prayer. Enter boldly into the throne room because you have access to him. Lay your burdens down. Place your desires and longings before him. Confess, maybe intercede on behalf of a friend you know is going through a hard time. Rejoice and be glad. Offer up your thanksgiving to God, for he is worthy of all of our praise, all of our worship. Let us speak to him as one we know is listening. Let us never forget the cost. Let us never forget the privilege it is to be in a relationship with him. This whole space is open for you. Communion is available to you whenever you feel ready. Um, there's three stations, one in the back and then two up front. Sweet the sound, amazing love. 
Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is gracious and compassionate.
Another word that we would use to define contemplative is the word examine. Examine really means to inspect something, to kind of investigate it thoroughly, to scrutinize it. And I think examination is something we do all the time in our lives, if we're honest. We're in the perpetual state of asking ourselves questions. We're asking ourselves about our schedules. Can I add one more thing, just one more, that I can try to fit in? Or my kids, they often examine or investigate their food. They say, Mom, do I have to eat this? Asking questions all the time. We ask questions about life. Is this relationship I'm in productive for both me and the other person? We ask questions about school, about work, about life, about goals, about dreams. I mean, the list goes on and on. But one of the things that I'm curious about is, do you examine your relationship with God? I think sometimes we often fail to examine our relationship with God. Or when we examine it, we strictly examine it from our side of the equation. So we consider whether or not we are at fault or where we should stop sinning or start doing something that we're called to. We examine the things that we're kind of erring on. It's all about us, even though we're examining this relationship with God. But this morning, what I want to challenge you to do when we consider this idea of examination is to ask the question, how is God at work in your life? How is he moving? What is he doing? Where are you seeing him present? And so what I want to do this morning, just for a couple minutes, is I want to prepare you to enter into examination this week, centered on the idea of where is God at work among you? And we're going to look at three areas. We're going to look at his presence, his work, and his movement. So if you have a pen... If you have a bulletin or a sheet of paper, pull it out, because what I want to do is give you some questions that you can use this week to begin to examine this main question. Where is God at work in my life? So first of all, God is at work with His presence. 
His presence around us. There's a Psalm 139 that speaks to this idea. It says, You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? It goes on to say, If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The point that the psalmist is making is this. No matter where you are, he's present. There's not a single moment of any day that God is not present in your life that he's not close by, that he's not near. And so my question to you, and a question I'm challenging you to consider this week, is this. How has God shown himself present in your life recently? Where is he revealing himself to you? How is he showing up on the scene? If he's always there, if he's with us, if he's near, the question is, are you really spotting him? Are you recognizing him? How has he shown himself present in your life recently? The second idea is God's work. God is constantly at work in you and at work in me. It says, in fact, in Philippians 2, it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So my question is, how are you seeing Christ at work in your life? Is he showing up in your decisions? How is he influencing your relationships? How is he working in the lives of other people? I mean, Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians. I think it's chapter 13. He says this phrase, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And he goes on to say, Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? So the question is, how is God working in you? How has He entered into your decisions? How is He present in your relationships? How is He moving in you? And then the last, God's movement. Where is God at work in the world? If you were to evaluate your community, your neighborhood, the people that are involved in your life, Where is it that you see God's influence working and moving apart from you? Apart from your involvement in their lives, apart from your influence, how do you see God shaping people, changing neighborhoods, affecting community, building something beyond you? Is it easy for you to spot? Do you see Him doing it? This last question of where is the Spirit active and how can you join Him? Far too often, I have lived my life with the goal of saying, God, hey, I'm doing this for you. This is my plan, and I would love you to come along and bless it. And I think the more appropriate perspective, and perhaps the one that's going to get a little more done, is the understanding that God's Spirit, God Himself, is at work in moving in this community, in this city, in your school, with your neighbor, with a friend. He's present, and he's moving, and he's working, and all we need to do is recognize where. 
and then ask ourselves, how do we join in that? How do I become a part of what God is doing? How do I become a part of where He's moving? So the goal of an examined life is not just to evaluate our wrongdoing, not just to examine before communion and confess sins or anything like that. Part of the goal of an examined life is to see where God expresses Himself as present in your life, works and moves in your life, and then lastly, where He's moving in the world and how you come alongside to join Him in the work. So my challenge to you this week, and even in these next few moments as we worship in song a little bit more, is to ask the question, God, how are you moving in my life? Where am I seeing you present? Where am I seeing you working? How am I seeing you move in this world? And I'm convinced that in this idea of examination that God continues to speak to us through his action, through his movement, through his presence. Let's pray. Father, we want a life that is focused on you. We want a life where we examine what it is you're doing, not just in our lives, not just in our areas of needed change, but even more so in people's lives around us, how you're working in our neighborhoods, how you're drawing people to yourself, all of those things are part of your work. God, I pray that you would help us to recognize it. As we ask ourselves these questions, God, may we become more active in your mission in the world. May we become more active in being a part of your community. May we dive into small groups. May we connect with people. May we reach out. May we find ways to be on mission for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together for one last song.
beautiful